Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fast Talk, Street Talk, Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk, Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the home of common sense, the place where you find the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then, of course, uh, you search even further to see what's going on behind the scenes. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, it's the morning after the night before of the long knives or the blonde knives, as the son have called it. Uh, loads of people stabbing Boris Johnson in the back, 148 of them. Uh, I put out a note last night on Twitter, weasels nil, Boris won. Because, yes, he didn't win by a huge margin and perhaps he would have liked the margin to be bigger. 148 versus 211. However, the bottom line is that he did win. And so now, as the Sun uh, leader says this morning, it's time for the weasels, uh, in my words, not theirs, uh, to move on, to sit down, to shut up and to put their faith in the Tory leader that got them to where they are in the first place. Surely the point about all of this is that they tried the nuclear option, but they failed. They missed the target. Boris Johnson remains in charge of the Conservative Party, remains Prime Minister, he remains in Downing Street, it remains now to be seen. What happens next? Ryan Saby is here, political correspondent from The Sun, he'll help us out with that. Trevor Kavanagh's coming on a bit later on. Richard Tice is going to be here as well. We've also got, of course, to talk to our own political editor, Peter Cardwell. The day will be very interesting. We've got Prime Minister's questions coming tomorrow. Uh, it's all happening. We want to hear from all of you as well. 0344 499 1000. I'm seeing a very mixed bag of tweets this morning many of you saying we want him gone we don't like people who tell us lies oh really well who do you propose to uh, you know to replace him with because there really isn't anybody out there jeremy hunt uh, has been holed below the waterline thanks to the dean dorries in the conversation of victoria station i think that's put paid to any of his ambitions um, and many other people in the cabinet really are now going to be too scared to stand up and be counted aren't they 0344 499 1000 is the number this is the independent republican mike graham let's do it So here we are, the morning after the night before. Ryan Saby is here. Um, and I've never seen quite so many tired political journalists uh, uh, over the course of the last couple of days, but uh, it was quite an exciting night, Ryan, for those of us who are interested in politics, and even for those people who like a bit of drama. And it was very dramatic. Yeah, no, exactly. We saw Graham Brady there in the in the committee room reading out the result, and it, and I, it took the breath away a little bit. Um, the, the staggering result, the 148 who voted against him. I think uh, number 10 and those close to Boris Johnson would have been hoping 
you know, to keep that around the 100 mark mm. earlier on the day. But it seemed by late morning, it really was going to be pushing into the 120s, mm. 130s. And as the day went on, the momentum was going against yeah. Boris Johnson. And I think that's what really, really, really concerns them and what will concern yes. them. And also people like Andrew Mitchell, mm. very vocal critic of, uh, of the Prime Minister in recent months. He didn't actually put in a letter. So there's mm. all these people who hadn't put in letters who are very, who were going to vote against him at yes. the end of the day. I mean, clearly he doesn't have a lot of friends in the parliamentary party. Um, he doesn't have a lot of friends in politics, really, Boris Johnson. But by by the same token, he does have a lot of supporters in the general public out there uh, in the big wide world of, of Great Britain. Many, I mean, I, I was saying yesterday, there's plenty of reasons to, to get rid of Boris Johnson on policy. But on Partygate, there's a lot of people who think that that's not the right reason to get rid of him. Yeah, uh, lots of MPs were talking about this yesterday as well. Does it really have to be, a, you know, it has to be that, is it a significant enough event for him to go? Some people think it does, but some people, when it actually push comes to shove and actually writing that letter of no confidence, they don't think it is the matter, the matter, the issue to push on. Mm. And that's why, you know, some people may have held, held back, but the criticism will be, you know, going into the next few weeks and months, the criticism will be ferocious again. It will, but the public will not really have much of a stomach for it, in my view, because I'm seeing what I saw in 2019, which is a parliament filled with people who didn't want the referendum result to be counted. We wanted to have a second referendum on whether we should leave the European Union. And the public got really angry about that, and they saw what was going on. And they didn't like the fact that these elected representatives were not representing them. And I think we'll have the same problem here. If if the Tory party starts to split, and, and some of these backbenchers say we're not voting with the government, and everything can't get done... I think the, the British public will really revolt against yeah, that. Yeah, just on, just on that matter of principle, it was, you know, it was two and a half years ago that you know Boris Johnson got that massive eighty seat majority, mm. and look now he's absolutely hamstrung. Mm. And on that, again, on that point of principle, is it right for the Tory MPs? I know they're the rules, but people might sit uneasy in the stomach for a lot of people mm. to actually get rid of him um, and, and do it that way. Yes. Should it be you know? Should it be you know, lots of people talking about? It, should he call a snap election yeah. and to get everyone into line and to get that new mandate? But if you look at the polls, you know, would would, would he win? And mm. could you sort of bring in a, a Labour, Lib Dem, SNP coalition? That's mm. the sort of territory we sort of feel like we're in well, this morning. Well, that is the thing, isn't it? And that is the problem. And as the Sun says, you don't want to hand power to Keir Starmer, uh, who they who they regard as a chancer. You know, your own newspaper calling him a chancer. And I think in the end as well, people like Ian Blackford talking to Julie Hartley Brewer this morning saying, you know, this Prime Minister must go. It's pretty rich coming from a party who don't even have the ability to get rid of uh, their own first minister because there is no vote of no confidence in the Scottish Parliament. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why Boris just needs to to get on and try and, you know, we've, we've spoken about it, you know, many times in, in recent months, yeah. that reset button. But how many times can you press yes. the reset button? And, you know, over the next, you know, coming, coming weeks, he's going to be bringing up policies about right to buy, growth in the economy, all these things, you know, trying to tackle the cost of living um, crisis again. But it gets to the point point where people think well, you know what what is the next mm. big idea to actually sort of yes. carry that party well with as long you? as the big idea becomes something that actually happens i think yeah. that's fine i mean people were really encouraged by the rwanda idea but as, mm. as of now it still hasn't really happened you know no. if we start to see people getting flown to rwanda maybe that will be a big yeah. big help if he starts to say right we're going to reduce tax rather than just keep saying it and not do it yeah uh, people might buy into it you yeah know? i mean people are now telling me we've got eight pound eight over eight pounds a gallon now for petrol petrol in some places now more expensive than diesel these are the kind of things people care about yeah uh, last night talking in, in, the, in the lobby to uh, to kate mccann a uh, talk tv political editor Anne-Marie trevelyan was was hinting at sort of the, you know the growth aspect the tax cuts thinking this 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 could be around the corner but don't forget as well the Rwanda policy you know high high on the agenda Boris Johnson actually visits Rwanda 
um, late, later this month, mm. and people are very sort of agitated in number 10. They want some, one of these or some flights to take off before Boris Johnson actually gets there. Yes. So that could, you know, I think the date penciled in is possibly next week, but there's going to be a lot of argy-bargy mm. in the courts, a lot of, you know, lawyers, you know, submitting their papers mm. to, you know, to try and stop uh, to stop people going there. So that's going to be a big fight. So he really needs to make sure that that works in the coming days But in weeks. terms of the, the, the actual sort of situation, the constitutional position that he now finds himself in, there is nothing to suggest that Boris Johnson has to step aside, is there? Boris Johnson is Prime Minister of this country, um, you, know, you know, constitutionally within the Conservative Party, he, he remains as leader. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that, that that is kind of on the agenda, there's talk of this the 1922 Backbench Committee changing the rules mm. um, and actually having a vote once, you know, maybe once every three months, once every six months. So if that does change, and I was speaking to one um, sort of senior Tory yesterday, mm. they were saying, look, you'll win this one, but he's probably not going to win the next one mm. so it just depends on when you know if the rule changes happen yes what what will happen and Dominic Raab was talking this morning about how we are you know you don't, do you really change the rules of the the game halfway through it feels a little bit rum to, uh, to well there do is that. a kind of there is a kind of Trumpian aspect to all of this because it does feel as though the people that dislike Boris Johnson for all sorts of reasons really really hate him and we'll look we'll stop at nothing to get rid of him it's almost as though you know so, so we started hearing arguments this morning and Julia was making some of them well if you take away the the cabinet ministers and those working for them and the private secretaries mm. and all the people that's another hundred actually he's hardly got any support at mm. all yeah but that's not reality you know you can make can make that case but it's not real because at the end of the day he won fair and square you might not like the numbers but in the end he's still there and they failed to get rid of him so let's move on yeah i, th- I think what happens is you know in, in the coming weeks you've got the, that political reality and on, and on those numbers once you start taking away the payroll you're not you're not really left with yeah. with very many and it wouldn't surprise me and uh, you know whether you know people on that payroll whether they're junior ministers whether you know you know more sort of senior ministers whether they actually voted against Boris mm. Johnson well, you in, don't in know, that do secret you? We, we just don't know mm. but just it just feels like that, that that could well be the yeah. case but i think the trouble is the tories are famous for you know knifing themselves in the back aren't they i mean they were always kiboshing their own success yeah. and it's only ever the tories that bring down the tories yeah. it's yeah. never the labor party and i mean again we're seeing it like history repeating itself yeah well i i just got off um, the phone to a, for, for a Conservative MP, um, and they they were saying that, that really need to maybe if you get rid of Boris Johnson now, it will give the party time to rebuild that you know the, the Conservative mm. brand because of Partygate, it's damaged. Um, it, they just need as much time as possible to get a new leader in, and it might take a couple of years mm. just to get them on an even keel again. Yeah, but we've seen this before, haven't we? Do you remember when they tried all those different leaders like mm. Michael Howard? William Hague's been quite vocal this morning. Yeah, you know yeah. he was useless as a leader of the Tory party. You know, he might be now seen as a bit of an elder statesman. You know, Ian Duncan Smith, much more sensible now. But when he was leader, he was awful. You know, why would we want to listen to these people? And the the British public will never forgive the Tory party if they get rid of a man who they see as a very different style of politician. They might have lost the luster a little bit. They might think that he's gone a bit too far. They might think that he's really pushed yeah. the envelope. But in the end, he's still somebody that people identify yeah. with. Yeah, and also, you know, as Cabinet Ministers have been saying last night and this morning, think, you know, they call, talk of the big calls and yeah. how Boris Johnson got, them, got, got those ones right, whether it's, you know, the vaccine, furlough, Ukraine... 
you know, they, I, th- I think that, the, you know, those cabinet ministers be, 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 be selling, mm. trying to sell that story yeah. I, 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 you know, now and into the summer. And some people who've been, you know, punching the sort of Boris narrative for a long time, you know, people like Roger Gale, who's always hated Boris mm. Johnson, who turns up on every show that he can get himself on to say, it's time for him to go. Yeah. And you go, well, you've, been, you've never said anything else, yeah. you know. And I think we have to be careful not to look at these characters and go, oh, they've all turned on him, you know, because I think they've always not liked him. Yeah, I think there were a few surprises yesterday, though. I mm. think you look at someone like the Henna Davidson who's got that seat in Bishop Auckland yeah. she said she came out against Boris Johnson there was a bit of a surprise um, Andrew Bowie well, as she would well. never got elected without well that, that's the thing isn't it you, know? and you, you just wonder whether she's sort of looking over the shoulder whether she's going to keep her seat um, next time but there, I think that would she be she was also a woman that we trained up to be quite a good broadcaster and then she yeah, of uh, jumped, uh, yeah. jumped ship and went to work for somebody else so got, yeah. not taking any lessons from her and yeah. thanks very yeah. much but I, I, and also I think one thing that could worry number 10 as well you've got the cabinet ministers at one level very much very vocal then you've got the you know the backbenchers whether the red wall um, MPs but there weren't sort of many sort of in the middle sort mm. of you know you might get the, the tweet of um, support but actually going out there on the airwaves and talking him up that seemed very they were very reluctant to do that yesterday and that, mm. would, that would concern me if I yes. you know, at number 10 but I mean if you are Doris Johnson waking up this morning and you know I know enough people as you do close to him who say there is no way uh, in God's earth that he's walking out of that job yep. absolutely under no circumstances will he leave voluntarily yep. there is no official means to make him do so is there no no I mean he, he, he will, there'll have to be another in, in effect you've got to wait another year mm. um, unless he walks away for, the, for this uh, for this leadership I, th- I think what happens is you get the political reality if you get two or three in the cabinet some big names in the cabinet turning against mm. him speak out publicly and resign and then I think you know you might get those men in grey suits and go mm. and have a word with Boris Johnson and say no the, the time is up and it's mm. not going to help the party it's not helping the country so you might be in a situation of that it just feels at the moment we're a little we're quite a way away from that actually it does feel a bit like that stay with us Brian if you will because I want to ask you about the cabinet I want to ask you about reshuffles I want to ask you also about PMQs tomorrow which is going to be very interesting indeed also we want to hear from all of you of course as well because we didn't hear a lot from you um, last night. It was so dramatic. Uh, we didn't hear too many voices. So let's hear your view of what happened last night and what the Tories should do and whether you agree with me that they should just get on with it. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican. Mike Graham right here on Talk TV with you until one o'clock. Ryan Sabian's here from The Sun. How about this as a, as a sort of a, a settling down tweet from James Cleverly? Put this out last night. Clear win for Boris Johnson in the confidence vote. Greater percentage than his initial leadership competition. Greater percentage than Starmer got in his leadership competition. Now we must all get back to work on behalf of the people of the UK. I mean, you can put all sorts of spin on it. That's my favourite, I think, so far. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an argument. But, I mean, you, what you can, you're not really comparing apples apples with pears on that one. You know, Boris Johnson got, you know, 211 yesterday. When he, He's comparing that to a result where there are three people in the contest yeah. and you're going down to the final two. Right. So it's not really, I, you know, I can see where they're coming from, but it's not really comparing like for like, I don't think. OK, PMQs tomorrow is yep. going to be interesting, isn't it? Because Keir Starmer's still waiting to find out what's happening in Durham. Yeah. Uh, I saw David Lammy talking last night um, as a lawyer, which I don't often see him do, saying that uh, he's absolutely sure that he's not going to get a penalty charge notice. But they still seem need to sort of see that coming, don't they? They need to see put that one to bed before they can start crowing too much. Yeah, you won't. Be, I mean, Boris, you know, Keir Starmer's going to make you know hay tomorrow, um, uh, no doubt about that. But I think I think the real worry for Boris Johnson is you always see at the moment where he walks into Prime Minister's questions, there's that yeah. big cheer. Right. You know, how muted will that be tomorrow? And just remember when you know Keir Starmer gets his six questions every single time, he's going to say, "What about that over, mm. uh, MP there? MP there? Do they do they back yes. you? 148 MPs." By behind you don't 
back you. Right. That is going to be a real... Is there a chance that some of those won't turn up tomorrow? Absolutely. Absolutely. And even if they do, you know, Keir Starmer, you know, well within his rights to, to point at them, single them out, and, uh, you know, if they've been right. outspoken critics. Yes. Um, so I think that's it does make it very, very tricky. And all those cheers you normally hear mm. from Boris Johnson, you know, unemployment down or whatever it may well, well be. he's been quite bullish lately, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think this, this, this is going to be a real sticky problem yeah. for... Because, I mean, he kind of got through the Sue Gray report with what he thought presumably was relative ease and nothing yeah. terrible happened. He didn't get another penalty charge notice. He was emerging from it, you know, re- rather well. People said that he should have spent more time this weekend uh, just past... You know, yeah. convincing more people to vote yeah. for him yeah. rather than being a bit blasé about it. Yeah. But we also read a lot of the weekend about how this was going to be the week that the NHS was going to be addressed, yeah. that there was going to be all sorts of reforms suggested. Is that still happening? Yeah, it's still happening. This week is down as, as health week. There's lots of announcements. Boris Johnson speaking about cabinet, uh, speaking at cabinet today about um, reducing those backlogs in, in the NHS. Next week is um, we're expecting a speech from Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson talking about growth. So yes. we've still got these things on the agenda. Right. But perhaps Boris Johnson and his team and his close team of whips and advisors could have spent a bit more time phoning MPs. Mm. And I think what happened last week, you had that sort of 10 day break where MPs were back with constituents. Mm. And we talk about a jubilee plot. I use that in, you know, in, in loose terms. But yes. people just talking to, you know, people they perhaps haven't seen for a mm. while, you know, constituents. And actually, this is, you know, this is what the, the true feeling and those that, that feeling of party gate and that mm. angst and anger probably came out and you know that just fed into yes. uh fed into into their views and that may have led them to writing letters and for the vote of uh, mm. no confidence to happen yesterday and an awful lot of people that are talking to us here at talk tv are saying even if they did want him to stay on are still saying yes but he needs to do the things he said he would do like he needs to stop the illegal migrants coming over mm. he needs to do something about tax he needs to reduce the cost of living he needs to do something about the energy bills you know there's a lot that he needs to do um net zero as julia said he's probably never going to leave alone he's always going to be crusading for that yeah. but that's driving an awful lot of the, the the disappointment shall we say with boris johnson yeah no exactly it, it, on, on one hand you've got you know the, the, the big ideas whether it's you know the you know cutting backlogs as i say to the it's the nhs or, or or dealing with the cost of living crisis but every time they come up with an announcement on the cost of living crisis spending billions and billions of pounds it always seems to be in reaction to an event yeah. what's just happened so yeah. you, you know just before uh you know you had the spring statement there was the aftermath of, the, of partygate when all the revelations were coming out then you had the sue gray report mm. uh, you know t- two weeks ago and there was the big announcement from from rishi sunak, sunak spending 22 you know 22 billion pounds on 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 help it on helping people but it was it, it, they don't seem to get much political credit mm. for it because they're always on the back foot yes. and i think that's i think that's part of the problem and i was reacting i mean there is a sense in the country at the moment particularly with the travel problems that we've got that there is a kind of state of chaos going on yeah. nothing's really working terribly well the nhs is a problem the police are a problem border force isn't doing its job you know the trains are on strike you know the planes don't fly mm. is there anything that actually is working yeah i think i think that's why you know uh, as as Boris Johnson has to, you know, get a grip. That has to be the sort of message for the next, you know, yeah. six Good weeks, slogan. three months or so. It is exactly maybe you what should, he has maybe to do. Suggest it to no. them. Is like, it, get a it, grip. It's exactly what he has to do, and uh, he has to just, you know, as we, as we talk about, you know, take back control. Of that frame, famous uh. phrase. He just needs to try and do that. But the political reality of 148 MPs voting against him makes it really, really difficult. Mm. And what about Boris's kind of famous um, revenge? 
um, draw, if you like, because, you know, I mean, I think we all thought that uh, he didn't like the idea that Rishi Sunak was getting a bit too popular, so somehow he suddenly became the, the butt of all the newspaper reports about his wife and about his houses in California and all the rest of it. Um, will he take revenge against some of these people? I think I think so. Um, I, whether it happens formally in terms of taking the whip away, that mm. or it, it gets very, very difficult, and I think it will just spread unease uh, amongst the, uh, the, the political, the, the parliamentary party. And don't forget, you still have to get legislation through. Um, you know, you know, lots of votes coming up as you know as they put through the put through their agenda. Mm. So I just don't, I just don't feel. You know, I think you can have that threat hanging over them. Mm. And don't forget as well the reshuffle. You know, there could be a you know a summer reshuffle. Yeah. Um. And but the trouble is, you then just make more and more enemies. Yes. So there's already about uh, you know last count, I think it was about ninety or a hundred yeah. MPs who had served in the government at, at some stage. So they're already they're pr- pretty you know angry that you know mm. they shouldn't have been promoted. All those people coming up, those 2019 um, intake, who feel like they should be in government. So you know, getting getting rid of a load of cabinet ministers or a load of junior ministers, it just create a whole raft of, of new problems. And it uh, could even problems. create a, a leadership contender because I think at the moment. Since there isn't one, yeah. it's all a bit of a kind of um, um, a rag bag of, of, of people who don't like Boris Johnson, but they don't really have a common rallying point, yeah. do they? This is, this is the worry, other worrying thing for number 10. It, none of this... Uh, this plotting has really been particularly coordinated. No. You haven't had the sort of chiefs of the sort of the outriders, mm. you know, talk, talking to each other that much. So that was the other problem. Number ten didn't really know when when this confidence vote was uh, was going to happen. Mm. So last week they spent, you know, you know, there's a lot of focus on, on on the jubilee, and they woke up on, you know, they, Boris Johnson found out on Sunday. But straight away you're into that confidence vote, and that's why the numbers were high because yeah. Boris Johnson couldn't get, you know, wasn't on the phone to them at the end of last week, saying, look. You know, we're going to deal with your issues. I'd like you to come in. We can discuss it. We can send you off to this minister to talk about this issue about your local hospital or whatever it may well be. None of that really mm. happens. So they were sort of on the back foot yes. um, yesterday. And you would have thought, as a Conservative Prime Minister, that normally speaking, a Jubilee weekend like that would have been a massive boost. You mm. would have got, you know, you would have got sort of ten points in the polls yeah. just by being well, Prime Minister yeah. and everyone waving flags around. Yeah. But in fact, it went the other way. Yeah, no, exactly. You had Boris Johnson turning up at St Paul's Cathedral on on Friday last week yeah. for the Queen Thanksgiving service with with, with people booing. You, you know. Number ten will say that there, there were cheers, and I think they probably there were there, there were, were a bit some. of both. There were a bit of yeah. both, but the fact you had those boos mm. at an event like that yeah. would just make people a little bit uneasy. Although I did hear um, one of the um, defenders of Boris Johnson, some peer or other, I can't remember his name, was on uh, the radio the other day talking about how Tony Blair once got booed. Uh, when he turned up for a Scottish event somewhere oh. um, uh, with the royal family. So it's not completely unprecedented. Yeah. But again, because it's Boris Johnson, the haters will say, like like they hated Trump, everything he does is wrong and everything yeah. he does is bad and he's the worst offender and he's the only Prime Minister that's ever been given you know, a police notice and he's a criminal. And I've heard people call him a crook. It's outrageous what they call him, yeah. and then in a get- way. And then you had um, Jesse Norman yesterday, you know, he's a you know, former Treasury Minister, saying there was, you know, that, that casual law breaking. Mm. Again, that just feeds into it. Yeah. You're sort of thinking, well, hang on, you know, the, the public. With friends looking, like these, you yeah, don't need exactly. enemies, really, do you? Public looking on at that, thinking, well, hang on a minute, you're only meant to be on the same side. Mm. So yeah. that, that just weighs into Yeah, and the language, minds. you would never use that language against anybody else. You know, serial liar, you know, congenital liar, you know, a compulsive liar. So it just goes on and on and on. And yeah. it's, I mean, it must be pretty wearing. So I think for people to underestimate Boris Johnson at this moment in time, I think is a mistake and I think this time next year we'll still be here yeah I mean he, he, has, he has survived many battles before mm. and you know don't don't put it past him no absolutely not Ryan great to see you I'm sure you'll have another busy day ahead we'll have another busy day ahead here at Talk TV we'll take your calls of course we're going to talk to Lee Anderson coming up next 0344 499 1000 I don't think there's much doubt about which way he voted we saw him uh, in the uh, room the committee room of the uh, 1922 committee yesterday he was on his phone he wasn't talking to me though uh, let's find out what's going on out there in the big wide world this is 
Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Loads of you uh, to talk to me. Uh, we will get to all of you, of course, throughout the course of the show. Angela says this, the cabinet needs a radical shake-up. New faces, new ideas, new vigour. The list is too long. Hospitals, doctors, nurses, police, levelling up, transport, cost of living, energy, green issues, migrants, on it goes. And with enemies, it will be hard to make progress. Well, Boris Johnson's got plenty of enemies. The point is, is they took a shot at him and they missed and he's still there. And I don't see any reason why Boris Johnson should go anywhere. Let's talk to Lee Anderson, Conservative MP for Ashfield. Lee, very good morning to you. Morning, Michael. Now, listen, I don't care how big the margin is or how small the margin is. They took a pot shot and they missed, right? So to, to, can we just forget about these weasels and get on with it? I think I think we should move on, uh, Mike. Move forward, not backwards. Look, there's been a witch hunt since day one. Uh, uh, since the day I got elected, yep. the, the people, the press, especially the BBC, mm. uh, the mainstream media, have all been added in for Boris. Uh, and then through the pandemic, they were just pecking at him continually, day in, day out. Yeah. And, and and we've just he just had this this final debacle where he's actually he's actually won the vote. Uh, and let's not forget that Boris got 14 million people in this country to vote for him at the general election. Yeah. A massive mandate, 80-seat majority. And I'm always of the mind, regardless of what you think of Boris, whether he's doing right or wrong, it should be up to the British people to decide who the Prime Minister is yeah. of this country, not the people in this place here. They live in a bubble sometimes. They need to get out there in the real world, speak to some real people yeah. in real places, and let them make the decision, not the, not these people sat here on 85 grand a year. Exactly right. And all these 148 people who think that they know better than the Prime Minister, you know, none of them have got an idea of what to actually do, have they? And I've not forgotten that a lot of them voted to remain in the European Union. Lots of them have never forgiven Boris Johnson. People like Roger Gale, who pops up every now and again on every channel you can find, has always been against Boris. He hates him. And I mean, the idea that that's even news, that, I mean, it'd be news if Roger Gale decided he wanted him to stay. That would be a news story. Well, I, I'm like this, Mike. If, if there's anybody who wants to man up or woman up or whatever up uh, and stand up and say, I want to be the Prime Minister, I want to challenge that person, mm. here are my policies, here are the things that I believe in, here are the things I want to put to the great British public. And I say, you know what, you might have an argument. But until that actually happens, then I say you need to pipe down a little bit and get by, get behind the Prime Minister, yeah. because nobody likes a divided party. But if you're going to sneak about in the background, I'd say come out from the background, be a man or be a woman, and, and tell us what you're all about. Yeah, well, Jeremy Hunt uh, made some bizarre attempt to do that over the last couple of days. Unfortunately, it turns out that uh, he didn't have much of a clue. He thought Brexit was going to finish the government off, according to uh, some tweets that Nadine Dorries put out. Uh, he also wanted to lock people up in quarantine hotels for two weeks if they had COVID. And let's not forget, uh, he was in charge of the health service for quite a long time uh, when an awful lot of problems were going on. Yeah, but it was not a great record. I mean, I don't like blue-on-blue attacks, but, you know, let, let's be clear. If these people are going to come out and say silly things, then perhaps they need to take a long, hard look at themselves. And, you know, I think, you know, Jeremy, I get on with him re reasonably well. I think I think he's a good guy. But uh, sometimes I think some of my colleagues are not living in the real world. Mm. You know, yeah, Boris has made mistakes. He's, he's sometimes clumsy, clumsy with the language he uses. Uh, uh, you know, he's got his foibles, uh, but we bought into that when we elected him as the leader. Now, it's time, look, he's won the confidence vote. He's not going anywhere. It's time for some of my colleagues on the backbenchers. I noticed what, there was a big chunk of the backbenchers that rebelled. But, you know, like you're saying, Mike, some of them were Remainers. Mm. Some of those were people that's probably been in government in the past. 
They ain't going nowhere at the moment. They see a change as maybe a good career move. But I say put the country first. Yeah. Uh, put, put, the, put your faith in the people of this country who will make the right decision at the next election. Yeah. I mean, I think there is some truth for those who say Boris Johnson needs to get on with the things that he was voted in to do, though. He needs to stop yeah. the migrants arriving on our shores. He needs to get taxes down. He needs to yeah. do something about the cost of living. And, you know, if he does all of those things, you know, yeah. he'll win the next election hands down. I agree with you. I think sometimes the, the problem uh, the boss has got is sometimes he tries to please too many people. Mm. And you know what? We need to deliver on the promises. You hit the nail on the head there, Mike, with the migrant crisis. Get that sorted. Get these culture wars sorted mm. out. This trans debate that's, that's just going off, which is complete nonsense. Get all these things sorted, along with putting more, pe- more money in people's pockets, cutting taxes, getting back to, to being a real conservative government, not a socialist government. If it gets that right... And at the next election, I think we'll be fine. Absolutely right. Because, I mean, this week is health week, apparently. And we saw at the weekend that the, we were expecting to see Sajid Javid and Boris making some changes to the way the NHS works. I mean, a story today, which we're going to talk about in a little while. NHS have decided to remove the word woman uh, from various pieces of literature um, about cancer of the ovaries. And you go, well, if that's the way you're going, guys, I'm not sure that's going to help with the waiting list problem. Well, it won't, it won't help at all. Uh, I mean, I, I guess stick to the back deeper in this nonsense, Mike, as you're probably aware. We need to stop talking about this because I tell you what, when you go out there in the real world, knocking on doors and speaking to people in pubs and town centres in places like Ashfield, nobody's saying whether or not a man's got a penis or a woman's got a penis. No. We just we, we automatically know in my <laughs> neck of the woods between, the difference between a man and a woman. Yeah. You know, when, when I was born, the, the, the midwife says to my dad, congratulations, you've got a son. He didn't say congratulations, we don't know what you've got. Wait till he's 18. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. Yeah, wait till he can speak and he decide what he is. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? But this is the other thing, right? These people in Westminster, and you've seen them firsthand, you know, for the first time as, an, as a new MP, you know, you wonder what they do at the weekends, what they do at night, or what they do in their spare time, because they certainly don't live in the real world. They don't meet well, anyone who I, lives I, in the real world. I mean, I actually think some of them, Mike, uh, I think they lay awake at night thinking, how can I be ridiculous the following day? Yeah. How can I put out a ridiculous statement that was probably going to offend 99.9% of the population, which, mm. is, which is what they do. You're right, they don't live in the real world. They live on Twitter. Yeah. They live in the tea room here. They live in the little bubble and the social media bubble. They don't mm. actually speak to real people. Right. And that's a big problem. And how important are these two big by-elections coming up? Because, I mean, it seems to me that the Tory party is kind of talking it all down and saying, well, you know, they're pretty much both lost um, and we'll just move on from that. So it won't make things any worse for Boris Johnson. But it is a pretty bad state of affairs if you lose both of them. It, it, it is. I mean, let's be honest, Mike. I mean, there's been a witch hunt going on for two years now since the day we was elected. The vultures, the media vultures are circling. Um, so the next the next uh, little project they've got on their mind is the two by-elections. Look, they're going to be difficult. Mm. And I'm being polite when I say that. They're going to be difficult. But I will go back to the old adage that, you know, we're, we're 12 years into a Conservative government. We are a little bit unpopular in certain places. But the only election that counts is a general election. And, and normally, by-elections, they're overturned to the general election anyway. So probably we do need a kick up the backside every now and again and, and we've had one in the past but let's not forget it wasn't that long ago that was we was winning in Hartlepool yeah. the by-election yeah exactly right and I mean the world has changed uh, Labour Party's still wandering about nobody knows what they stand for nobody knows what Keir Starmer's going to do uh, tomorrow because he's still got this uh, police investigation hanging over him for all we know he could be handed a penalty charge notice and he has to resign next week well that's right I mean like you say Keir Starmer doesn't know what he's doing tomorrow he doesn't know what he did yesterday I mean the, the, the man's walking around Parliament in a trance I think he's got big problems uh, him and um, Angela Rayner 
yeah, there's a fine hanging over him. I, I'm not going to call for, for for Starmer to go if he gets a fine. But if he does get a fine, then you know he, he might he may have to fall on his sword. Yeah, and that poses another big problem to the Labour Party. Who do they replace him and Angela with? Because at the moment they are the best. And well, a they very, are very bad bunch. Angela Rayner, rather ironically, calling for standards in public life to be improved. Though uh, that makes me laugh. Well, I mean, it's, it's just it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, we we, we all hear the stories over the past few few weeks and you know some of the name calling she's done in the chamber she needs it's a bit rich uh coming from from angela she needs to just pipe down a little bit and uh probably spend a little bit more time in a constituency yes. than, than shooting the mouth off all, all over the media people don't like that mike if you want to win the red war voters back the red war by the way are a classy lot you know the first time conservative voters yes. hold decent working class people who don't like that sort of language. No, I think you're absolutely right. Well, listen, Lee, good luck to you. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, one of the most sensible MPs I've ever had the good fortune to meet, it has to be said. Lee Anderson, Conservative MP for Ashfield, speaks an awful lot of sense. Like me, thinks it's time to get on with it. Just move on. You tried to get rid of Boris Johnson, you failed. He's still there. Let him do the work that he said he would do and let him do it right. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your smart speaker, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're here with you all the way through until one o'clock. Front page of the Daily Mail this morning says this, as 148 Tory MPs hit the self-destruct button by opening the door to smirking Starmer's coalition of chaos, Boris vows, I will bash on. The Times goes a different way. Uh, They go with a wounded victor. The Telegraph, worst of all, uh, says this, hollow victory tears Tories apart. They really don't like him. Uh, And The Sun goes with Knights of the Blonde Night. And they talk about stabbed in the back by 148 Tories. My point about all of this is that they tried, they shot their bow, uh, and the arrow missed its target, basically. Let's talk to Richard Tice from the Reform Party and find out what he makes of it all. Talk radio, of course, talk TV host as well. Richard, a very good morning to you. Very good morning to you, Mike. What a day yesterday was. Amazing, wasn't it? Quite extraordinary. I mean, I woke up, I was was just saying, I woke up yesterday morning thinking, you know, we'll have a nice conversation about, you know, what it means to be British. We'll look back on the Jubilee weekend. We'll talk about, you know, where we go from here and whether Boris is in any danger. And then suddenly, bang, it was like, nope, there's a vote of no confidence at six o'clock. Let me tell you, (laughs) it was an extraordinary day in multiple ways. Those who followed me on Twitter said, not only did Boris Johnson yesterday survive a no confidence vote, but Mike, I was campaigning on the doors I survived an invitation to be a strippogram for a hen party. I saw on that. Monday. In fact, I retweeted that. Um, without wishing to be unkind, were there any um, guide dogs in appearance there? I'm, I'm not going to comment any further, but <laughs> it was just a remarkable day in so many ways. Um, uh, I suspect we, none of us will forget it. But, Did they indicate uh, whether they would be com- uh, uh, interested in voting in, on in, your behalf? Interestingly, uh, it was in a it was in a strong Labour area, Mike. That's all I will say. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. But, now, um, now uh, you will probably, I'm assuming, differ from, from me on this because I'm saying this is now Boris in for the long haul, providing he does the things that we want him to do, that this is actually a wounded Boris is better for those of us who think he should be more conservative and maybe he will now bend yeah, to our will. Look, um, the, the reality is that uh, yesterday reminded me of uh, the middle of 2019 where Tory MPs were tearing lumps out yes. of each other. And I don't think that bloodletting goes away very quickly. I think it'll be incredibly hard for the Prime Minister to govern. But look, he's going to try. And uh, people like Jacob Rees-Mogg made it clear that a victory of one was a victory. Mm. So look, we are where we are. Um, in my view, 
if the man had any uh, integrity or decency, uh, he would actually resign mm. based on that result. But but look, he ha he has neither of those things, and he clearly won't. Um, now, I know in your optimistic um, sort of wish for him to do well, you know, what's going to happen is over the next two weeks, Mike, he's going to come out with a bunch of, you know, good sort of red meat talk about cutting taxes and deregulating and we're on top of it with the Rwanda policy. And you'll think, great, yippee. Um, we've heard all that talk before. Uh, we'll be here in a year's time, Mike, mm. and nothing will have changed. And well, well, here's, well, here's I think, my point. I think he, will, he will continue to disappoint uh, you and uh, the country and those who want him to do well. Uh, you know, that's that's where I see this okay. going. No, listen, I don't disagree with what you've said. However, I do not want him to do well. That's not my motivation at all. I want him to do what I want him to do, which is to reduce taxes, which is to stop the migrants coming by whichever means he chooses, uh, and to make sure that the cost of living crisis is at least slowed down and, and, and life is made easier for people. That's what I want to see. I don't, really, I don't really give a stuff whether he does well himself. And I've called for his resignation before, as you know, Richard, and I'd be quite happy for him to move on. But I like the fact that he's now under the cost. I like the fact that he now thinks he has to do something to win back the trust of the British people, because then maybe I'll get what I want. And uh, but as I say, uh, you'll hear all of that chat over the next two weeks from him and from his cabinet colleagues. And none of it will be delivered because this is a unfortunately for the country. Uh, this is a, a government and a cabinet that is incapable of delivering what it actually says. And and the loser, the, the real loser uh, are good ordinary folk up and down the country mm. uh, who are really struggling at the moment. And because the cost of living crisis is absolutely huge. And, and yes, we've had a package from Sunak that was sort of something you, you might have expected from, from Jeremy Corbyn, not from a Conservative Chancellor. Um, and it, it just feels to me that this will be uh, more of the same. Mm. Um, and I think, as I say, the loser... Uh, are, are ordinary families up and down the country uh, who are really struggling under the cost of living crisis. And, you know, what, what, it's quite clear what we should be doing. We should be cutting taxes really hard for the lowest pay, the least well off, cutting fuel duty, cutting VAT, having a proper economic stimulus. Because if you cut taxes, Mike, on consumer goods, guess what? Mm. You reduce prices. And if you reduce prices, you reduce inflation and you get growth and you get activity. None of those things are being talked about. There's no talk about uh, proper efficiency uh, drive in the government. For example, you know, most households are saying, well, look, I need to save five, six, seven quid in every hundred out mm. of our, our, our household budget. There's no chat in the government about the civil service and government spending saving five quid in a hundred. If you do that, all of a sudden, that's 50 billion mm. quid. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's real well, money. Again, and you'll say that he won't do it. But I mean, in his letter yesterday to MPs, he put all of that in there saying, we're going to save exactly. you money. We're going to cut uh, um, the, the amount of money we spend on public services. We're going to cut the civil service. All of that would be given a huge cheer and a huge hurrah if he was to do it. So that's the, the proof will be in the pudding. You're absolutely right. But I, I, I totally agree with you about the whole 2019 remake, because there's no doubt in my mind. Listen to Ian Blackford talking to Julia this morning. And he said, this man must go, you know, two thirds of Parliament is against him. They don't want him there. And I mean, you remember those days when we sat on uh, College Green day in, day out, complete stalemate, keep uh, continually being told by the bulk of the MPs in the Houses of Parliament that basically they didn't want ref uh, they didn't want to, to, to honour the result of the referendum and they wanted to have another one. And I mean, I think the British public is sick to death of that.
and and uh, there is a real loss of trust in all politics and that's an absolute tragedy when people say i'm not going to bother voting it makes no difference mm. they're all dreadful the country's going to you know it's going to a really bad place they use a lot more fruity language than that i yeah. can tell you I'm that's sure. what i'm hearing on the doors um but, you know, it's a family show. Well, listen, you've got and... to stop uh, f- f- frequenting these dodgy areas that you keep sort of hanging around <laughs> in. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, look, I just, um, I just feel we could do so much better with real leadership that actually, and particularly when you've got a majority, when you, when you actually deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, here we are a couple of months on, Mike, and I'm afraid to say not a single illegal migrant has been taken to Rwanda, mm. despite your best beliefs to the contrary. Yeah, well, um, you know, there's still time. You know, I know you keep putting a <laughs> clock on it, but, you know, you can't keep saying, I mean, it's like, you know, you're in the sort of, you know, 35th minute of a football match going, it's all over. It's not all over until 90 minutes, right? We haven't got to 90 minutes yet. So so I'm still hopeful that we will. And I'm told Boris is actually planning. Ryan Sabie was in here this morning. He's actually going to Rwanda himself. So maybe he'll take some with him. What, you think <laughs> on the same plane? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we might have a pint of Guinness on that. There's no chance of that whatsoever. Um, but I think I mean, maybe you should apply to be on the uh, on the first. Well, plane, I, I've, t- I've already happen. spoken to the bosses here. I said, look, I, if, if if they're sending people to Rwanda, I want to be on the plane, definitely. But as long as it's a return flight, Mike, for you, we want a return ticket. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, I'm told Rwanda is a great place, but I think I prefer London, to be honest. But there we are. Um, but listen, um, we'll be seeing you on uh, Friday, no doubt, as in your usual position. And um, very, very good to see you. And, and be very careful of some of those um, doors that you knock on. Perhaps you should have a, a, oh. a lead man to go ahead just in case there's a problem. <laughs> No, I'm very confident. I've no worries. And I look forward to all those invitations. It's great. Excellent. Good stuff. Richard Tice, thank you very much indeed. Reform Party leader and Talk TV host, of course. He's on every Sunday from 10. Uh, He's on with me me every Friday as well uh, at 10 o'clock. So you don't want to miss any of that. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got much to do and plenty of time to do it in, of course. Uh, By the way, I'll be on the talk later on tonight. Uh, If anybody uh, would wish to watch that at nine o'clock, it's from nine till ten. After Piers Morgan is on from eight, of course. He was on here yesterday uh, saying, as usual, Mike, you'll find that you were wrong and I was right. Well, it turned out not to quite be the case, did it? Because it turns out Boris Johnson is still the Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and will still be the Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland until such time as he decides not to be. I think you'll find. Uh, And at the end of the day, uh, there is no means by which he can now be removed. Unless, of course, the 1922 committee decide to come up with a different form uh, of rules. Some have suggested that they could decide to have a meeting every three months instead of only once a year. Because technically now that he's passed the uh, the test, the smell test, if you like, uh, with the backbench Tory MPs in the 1922 committee, they cannot have another go at him for a year. Let's talk now though, to Trevor Kavanagh, Associate Editor of The Sun. Uh, he wrote a piece in the paper this morning uh, saying the rebel Tories went for the nuclear option and it failed. Um, and he now says that it could well descend into some rather spurious and unfortunate places. Let's find out why he thinks that. Trevor, very, very good afternoon to you. Hello, Mike. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, Interesting to see the Tory party sort of repeating itself in history once more and trying to sort of do its very level best to ruin a massive majority and a great opportunity to change things in the country uh, just because they don't like one another. It is. I think this is a a shocking self-inflicted wound and it, it could be terminal for the Tory party, whether Boris stays until the next election or goes. Mm. I think that they have put into grave peril any chance of winning that election. I think we are doomed 
to the prospect of a Labour-led coalition, and I think we will come to regret that bitterly. Mm, I think so, because the problem, I suppose, for for, uh, for Boris Johnson here, and you've alluded to it in your column this morning, is that, you know, a lot of the people who voted against him and who said they had no confidence in him were Remainers. They were people who have been on the wrong side of the argument for quite a long time now um, and who have never really forgiven Boris Johnson for Brexit. Exactly. I think there were a few uh, Brexiteers among those, but they are the people who basically didn't want Boris except to win the election. They didn't trust him on uh, Brexit and they have no faith in him on that basis. Mm. But the, the, es- the essence here is that uh, an awful lot of those who voted against him as leader uh, want to rejoin in one way or another the European Union. And I think that is a uh, dangerous path, especially in the, way, in, in the sense that the European Union itself is falling apart, mm. especially over Ukraine, where we turn out to be thanks to Boris, on the right side of history. Yes, and also uh, thanks to Boris, not on the same side as Germany and France and other European nations, big European nations, uh, who get an awful lot of um, uh, gas from Russia and who pay an awful lot of money to Vladimir Putin to keep his war effort going. No, and uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, was first out of the uh, gates last night to say how pleased he is that uh, Boris has Mm. survived. And indeed, the grassroots Tory members, according to a poll, although they don't think that there was a problem about a a vote, they want Boris to survive too. And this is the problem for the Conservative Party. I think that if and when, I think is is the answer, if and when uh, uh, they finally get rid of Boris, they will live to regret it. This is not just going to be a simple assassination. Mm. Um, And they made a complete hash of it. I'm I'm talking to you from my holiday hotel in Sicily, Mm where they know how to do these things properly. By now, Boris would be part of a concrete pillar on a motorway somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. But here he is, hanging on, and uh, it could be for months and months and months. Well, I mean, there's no apparent uh, uh, reason why he should leave. And, I mean, I'm told by those who know Boris very well and who have worked with him in the past that there is absolutely no chance that he's going to give up. No chance whatsoever. You know, he cannot be shamed into leaving. He cannot be kind of, you know, embarrassed into going anywhere unless there's some incredibly unusual um you know revelation that comes out that we don't know anything about he's there until such time as he as as, as he either loses an election uh, or is somehow forced out by his own people a year from now uh, a year from now under the rules as they exist yeah but i understand that uh, graham brady the man in charge of collecting these votes each time as the chairman of the 1922 committee of tory backbenchers is talking privately about changing those rules it may be changed to just every three months, which, mm. if the BBC has anything to do with it, will come through and they will not give up until he's gone. Yes. Um, but that Boris is... has an awful lot of enemies out there, not just within the Tory party. And that is the problem, isn't it? Because I was saying this earlier to, to uh, your colleague Ryan Saby, that there is a certain kind of Trump-esque hatred of Boris Johnson, that, you know, as a man... He is hated by people in a way that most politicians are not. You know, these people will stop at nothing to get rid of him because they call him uh, uh, things like, you know, a compulsive liar, a cheat. I've heard people calling him a crook. You know, it's unusual language to use against a prime minister. Yes, I think that there are certain anomalies in uh, Boris's view of the code of ethics. But uh, by and large, he has to be given the credit for winning an 83-seat majority against all the odds, actually, Mm. at the time. Uh, and indeed, as it transpired later, it could have been much bigger. It could have been in three figures. So, I mean, the man is a, an incredible election winner. He hasn't been completely written off even yet. 
Um, but on the other side of the balance sheet, Boris has contributed to a lot of his own problems here. He has not driven through, and there is no excuse in saying, well, we had to deal with uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. There was always a possibility that other ministers could have been delegated to driving through the reforms that we voted for mm. when we voted to leave the European Union. I think that's a major failing. And then, of course, raising tax, a tax-cutting party raising tax, that's an anomaly too mm. far. And I think that he's paying a very heavy price for those failings. I think that's right. And I mean, I've been saying for a long time, Trevor, as you probably know, that uh, you know there are plenty of good reasons to get rid of Boris Johnson. But this, at this particular moment and Partygate are not the real reasons that they should be uh, getting rid of him. Because I've always thought he's better as a prime minister under fire. You know, there's a good chance that we'll get more of what we wanted him to do in the first place if he feels under threat. Absolutely. And I think that the biggest factor in this is not Boris himself, but the Conservative Party and those people, the millions of people who have been lifelong Conservative supporters. Hmm. If they get rid of Boris, they are basically throwing all of those voters to the wind because I don't believe that the country is going to elect a, a, a divided country, which keeps a party which keeps getting rid of its leaders every uh, couple of years. Mm. Every leader that we've had since John Major, indeed since Margaret Thatcher, has faced a leadership challenge. And this is going to be the last, uh, the last gasp in this. And I think that if they do get rid of Boris, and even if they keep him now, I think they probably have, they have the, a real challenge in winning the next election. And that may be the end of the Conservative Party as we know it. Mm. And what would you think would replace it then? Would you then see perhaps a better version, a more conservative version of what is now the Conservative Party? Well, you may well, but uh, what uh, the the Labour Party, which presumably will lead a coalition, if indeed they, if the Tories lose, they will change the playing playing field. And first of all, they will bring in proportional voting. Secondly, voting for 16-year-olds. And that probably means that uh, as an individual single party, the Conservatives have almost no chance of winning a government outright again. No, absolutely. And I mean, the thing that I find interesting as well is the suggestion from some quarter this morning um, that Boris could call some kind of snap election. I don't really see that working for him, do you? I don't, and I don't see uh, a snap uh, cabinet reshuffle working very well at the moment either. Those tactics have basically been blown to smithereens by last night's vote. Um, the party is now adrift. It's got it's rudderless. It's it's got no its engine has died. Uh, they don't know where they're going. They don't know who they will elect as skipper. Mm. And I think that they are foundering. Um, it's almost impossible, frankly, to see a successful outcome to this in any way, shape, or form. No. And so, where do we go then? Do we just have a sort of rudderless um, ship floating about and uh, doing the same thing that? Dominic Cummings said the supermarket trolley does, but without actually hitting anything. Well, I hope you're wrong, but uh, I fear you're right. Mm. I think that's where we're heading. Uh, we will. Who is going to lead the party? That's the question. Mm. Is it going to be Jeremy Hunt? He's a Remainer. The grassroots uh, uh, members are not going to vote for a Remainer. Is it going to be Liz Trust? Trust, very much a, uh, a an untested product. Is it going to be one of the others? Is Tom Tugendhat yeah. going to leap forward and become the leader? Or maybe um, 
um, who, who knows? We might have Michael Gove suddenly popping up and uh, returning. To I the mean, party. none of those names to me um, <clears throat> would be any better or any different because the thing that's killing the Tory party, one of the things that's killing it, is this obsession with net zero. And I don't see anybody in the Tory party who doesn't go along with it. No, and that's another complicating factor, Mike, because, of course, one of the uh, one of the components of a Labour-led coalition will, in fact, be the Green Party. Mm. And whether you agree with it or whether I agree with it or not, the, the Green crap, as uh, David Cameron called it, is very popular amongst those who are a, an important minority in the voting uh, lineup. Yes, I mean, it really is quite pathetic where the, where the party has gone. Is there nothing that you can see that could redeem Boris Johnson then? I mean, if he, what if he does cut taxes? What if he does somehow come up and, and cook up some scheme with Rishi Sunak, which next week announces that, you know, they are going to give us some money back. They are going to somehow reduce the cost of energy. They are actually going to stop the migrants coming because they are going to fly some to Rwanda. Well, I think that would be wonderful. I think that at least he could claim that he went down all guns blazing. Yeah. Um, whether he can do that or not at this stage, I do not know. I think if he did, he would get a, a rousing uh, uh, applause from the voters and indeed from a large chunk of his parliamentary party. Yeah. Um, but it may be too late now. Those are the sort of things which, had he done them before the emergence of Partygate, would have seen him through this squall. It would have been, you know, a, a prime minister who had proven himself in office to have delivered what he promised in uh, 2016, uh, 2019. But frankly, that's not the case. And it would look like a, a, a desperate measure if he started to implement those policies at this point. Mm. No, absolutely right. I mean, the Sun and the Mail, really, the only two papers seemingly still backing Boris in one way, shape or form. Sun this morning saying, yeah, but he does have to get on and do the right thing. Um, so how much longer has he got, do you think? Well, I, I, the reason we're backing him is because of the alternative, which is a Starmer-led coalition. Mm. Frankly, I don't, do not see how that can be other than a total disaster, a far bigger disaster for Britain in the medium and long term than a prime minister who hasn't won uh, an overwhelming majority, but is still the popular choice as prime minister. There is time for him to redeem himself if he's given the next... Uh, two and a half years to put in place those policies you've just listed. I think that there is a chance of fighting back. But if they get rid of Boris, they will be a splintered, divided party with really no hope. I, as far as I can see, the public has never voted for a party that just is in total disarray as this one is. Yeah. Well, that's what they say, isn't it? Unity is what wins elections. Disunity loses them, no matter what. Absolutely right. Yeah, you'd think they'd have learned, but sadly they have not. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Trevor, for spending some time with us, even though you're on holiday. Trevor Kavanagh, political columnist at The Sun. The Sun's still backing Boris Johnson this morning, uh, basically giving him a slightly easier time than most of the other papers. But they're calling the insurrection, if you like, um, as stabbed in the back by 148 Tories. The PM survives just. And I think that's the point. And for those of us who really want to be... Um, living in a country where the government does what it says it's going to do, then clearly he has got another chance to make that work. But if he doesn't do it, what then? Um, we've got somebody called The Bun sending a, a tweet in that says, Guy from St Helens just stated the facts that referenced Johnson's sacking as a journalist, but the journalist MG says he's never heard of that. Good God, sacked from the Times, openly made up stories when correspondent for the Telegraph, never let the truth get in the way. Hey, The Bun, I don't know who you are, 
you don't seem to have uh, the cojones to name yourself. But the point about Boris Johnson is that he hasn't done anything untoward that other politicians have not done. I mean, politicians claim expenses every day of their life. Are you seriously telling me that that does not mean uh, that they occasionally mask the truth? Everybody does. Everyone in politics does. Why single him out? This is Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. Let's go straight to the calls. Dave's in Cardiff. Hello, Dave. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very well, sir. What can I do for you? Well, I'm puzzled about why we haven't had a rush for the Chilton Hundreds. There's all these people with high moral standards uh, and how they can bear to work with a Prime Minister as low as they say he is, right. is beyond me. Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Because if they were so upset about it, you'd think they would defect to another party. Well, I mean, I think they should. I mean, to be honourable, they must... All the opposition and the defectors in the Tory party must resign their seats. Yes. And, you know, that is because they have made such a fuss about Boris and his lying Mm. and things like that. But, uh, you know, the thing is that... uh, they, what they say now doesn't bear any credence no. because they're just showing themselves as... Well, no, because they campaigned for the guy. They campaigned to get in to power. They campaigned for the Conservative Party. I mean, they might now say that the Conservative Party needs to be saved from the man that they campaigned for, but it doesn't make them look very good, does it? No, I mean, the thing is, they, they, when you strike a high moral stance, you've got to live by it, yes. and they are not doing that. No. I mean, they... The thing is that uh, Starmer, in particular, has been on about Boris and his lying. Uh, he sounded like a schoolboy most of the time. Mm. But now he has made himself a paragon of virtue, and now he must walk away from the Parliament because it's beneath his contempt. Well, exactly. And he's also a man that said that Boris Johnson should resign if he was investigated by the police. He's being investigated by the police, and he hasn't resigned. Yeah, and uh, I mean, they're probably working on it not to find anything wrong with his beer gate. <laughs> well, we shall see. We'll find out about that soon. Dave, thanks for your call. Uh, it's a good point he makes. You know, all these MPs, these 148 weasels, as I call them, uh, are people who presumably can find it in themselves to work within the same uh, organisation as Boris Johnson. They can continue to take their money. They can continue to charge their expenses. They can hold their noses uh, while they repeat mantra-like that the Conservative Party is the way forward. And yet the guy at the top of it is somebody they detest. How very strange. Let's talk to John Leach, who's London Transport Regional Organiser and lead negotiator on London Underground for the RMT. There was a strike yesterday uh, on the tube. Um, No tubes running at all. It didn't appear to have too much of a bad effect on London, funnily enough, because I think a lot of people now just stay at home anyway, don't bother going anywhere. John, very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Hi. Uh, How did it go yesterday? Did you get what you wanted? Well, from the point of view of the support of staff for their union and for defending their pensions, jobs and terms and conditions of employment, I think the staff stood up well and I hope their voice will be listened to by the mayor uh, and the management of TfL. Uh, that we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see if that's the case. But they certainly have shown uh, the people of the capital that they won't be pushed about and have their pensions um, uh potentially taken away or reduced or made worse and they certainly won't nobody's going to take them away are they no no i'll put myself right there so what what we're talking about is major bad reform 
a company that's not stopped uh, saying that they want to save £100 million a year off the pensions bill. Um, and what we would say is that these pensions are reasonable. They are what staff need if they're going to be able to retire in dignity. Uh, and um, they need to keep their hands off of them. Mm. Surely TfL would be better placed to get rid of some of those uh, people on six-figure salaries that they employ if they're trying to save some money, wouldn't they? Well, I mean, you know, the, the senior director's salaries at TfL are astronomical. Um, There's loads of them as well. Haven't they got something like 50 people over over six figures? Yeah, they have. I mean, they're, they're on eye-watering salaries. Sadly, that's not replicated right through the uh, through the um, underground. We've got cleaners who are on 11 quid an hour. Uh, they're not in any kind of decent pension. They don't even have proper sick pay. Mm. And they're on the statutory minimum um, arrangements for annual leave. Mm. You know, it's a tough job in there in the tube. And the staff uh, who kept, of course, the capital city moving during the pandemic um, deserve a lot better than they're getting. And that's why this strikes uh, have happened and will happen again if we have to, to defend ourselves. But nothing's changed since yesterday, though. You haven't been suddenly called to a negotiating meeting. No, a definite silence. So in that case, I would say, well, I would say you didn't get what you wanted then yesterday. Well, I think the point is, you know, let's hope they're having a moment of reflection. There's a lot going on out there right now, but I hope the Mayor of London's having a moment of reflection. Well, I'm sorry, the Mayor of London's too busy hopping off to California and New York and, you know, swanning around telling people that he wants to legalise marijuana. He hasn't got time to talk to the likes of you. Well, he should Well, he should definitely find time to talk <laughs> to the representatives of his staff. Um, no, I, I agree. Think, I'd like yeah. to see Sadiq Khan doing his job properly. Bizarrely, uh, you might not think so, but I'm more on your side than, than, than I am on his because he's so useless. But, you know, my I'm worry is that, that my worry is that you are going to be doing this throughout the course of the summer. And that's that's not good. To. No, we don't. We, we don't want to be doing that. The tube staff keep London moving. These are professional men and women that are quite often spend their entire working lives there. They like the job. You know, it's a tough job. Um, but, you know, then just not going to be pushed about like this. And they use their collective strength, you know, through their trade union to make the point. Now, I hope the Mayor of London's listening. I hope the senior management are listening. But what really needs to happen, and this is the real story in all of this, is we need a proper finance deal for TfL. Because what's happening is one almighty game of political football is taking place between 10 or 11 Downing Street through to the Department of Transport and then down to the Mayor of London about these bailouts, which they get every six months to keep the thing moving. Mm. And the problem we've got is that the mayor and his negotiating team have put on the table as bargaining chips, the staff pension fund, jobs, uh, and astronomical savings that they are prepared to make, all of which fly in the uh, common sense face of, you know, what needs to be done, which is a proper finance deal. So, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, I hope that the powers that be can see sense but if they don't we have absolutely no hesitation in sticking together it's what tube staff have to do day in day out whatever they do drive trains fix trains work on stations service control power cleaning whatever it is they'll stick together and and they will and they will just not tolerate these kind of you know cherry picking attacks on Mm. them did any trains run yesterday was it a complete shutdown I think there was some. There might have been a few trains running. I mean, actually, by the way, yesterday's strike was purely the station and revenue staff. You know, it was because they were so out in such strong numbers that the underground, you know, had to close. Mm. And it shows what an important job they do. The men and women who staff those stations, you know, and and deal with some pretty tough situations from time to time. They work phenomenally hard. They do, you know, really 
full-on high-impact shift work, and they deserve a lot better mm. than they're getting. Okay. And what's the next uh, deadline for you? Well, my national executives just considered a report from me this morning. That's the kind of democratic decision-making structure of the union. We've had a meeting of all the senior underground reps today, and I've got to tell you, there is a very, very strong determination to see this through. Okay. So next strike when? Don't know. That decision's not been made, but you know, I, I would, I would be very surprised if there isn't a change attack from the uh, mayor, the, the you know, city hall, the senior management of London Underground. They can definitely expect more. Mm. We don't want that, by the way. But as I've said repeatedly through this interview and all the others I do, the staff will not be pushed about. They do a great job for the people of London. They deserve a lot better than this. OK. John, thanks very much for talking to us. John Leach, London Transport Regional Organiser, lead negotiator on London Underground for the RMT. Um, you've got to say, Sadiq Khan, whatever the situation is, you know, you can't allow these strikes to continue to go on because they are uh, going to disrupt London and they are going to disrupt the rest of the country as well. If you think it's not going to happen in your neck of the woods, it will because the RMT uh, is looking at striking all over the place. So uh, certainly Sadiq Khan should pull his finger out, stop grandstanding and appearing at various different events and actually fix the problem. 0344 499 1000. Genevieve says this, at least Boris knows what a woman is as opposed to Sakir. Evidently, and about uh, one from someone who doesn't give a name. Mike, the public will turn against those MPs that defend a PM with no morals. Integrity matters. Well, it might do, but I mean, I'm not sure where you're going to find a politician with any integrity or indeed morals. Good luck with that. 0344 499 1000 is the number. More coming up after this. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.